Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new segment of my podcast. This podcast is called One-Sided Apologies. It's a completely confusing subject, and yeah, I laugh a little bit about it because sometimes you have to accept selfishness um, because of the narcissism in uh, people with BPD. Um, As a matter of fact, I'll give you a great example. A few days ago, me and my wife had a, an argument, and, and of course, it started with her episode. And I've been doing um, what my counselor had advised. Um, when she says leave, you know, it, it, she doesn't always hit once. She, she'll say it multiple times, and even go into depth saying, I'm going to call the cops if you don't leave. So I know her now, she's going to say it a few times. So the first time she says it, I tell her, Don't tell me to leave because I'm going to leave. And Finally, short story, third time, I grabbed my bags, and she said, oh, where are you going? I said, well, you told me to leave. This is the third time, and I told you the first two times, don't say it again. So obviously, you mean it. So this is usually what happens. I get my stuff together, and she'll either say, oh, you're leaving because you're guilty. I said, no, I'm leaving because you told me to leave. <laughs> and then she'll say things like, oh, I noticed you looked at the time. So obviously, you got to be somewhere. And I'll tell her, well, listen, you're the one who picked the time to tell me to leave. I'm looking at my watch because I'm wondering what time you're telling me to leave and drive an hour away to where I have to go. And, you know, so I give her the facts on it. Let's try to do the um, rationalization part of it. Um, but anyways, <clears throat> and then a few times, like this past time, she said, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay here. And how did she say it? You're going to stay here. Oh, and um, I'm going to attack you all freaking night. I'm going to make you feel like you make me feel. And I said, no, that's exactly where I'm leaving. Because you don't have the right to attack me. Because you're going to push my buttons. And then I'm going to say things that I'm going to regret. And I don't want to do that. So because I love you and I don't want to say nasty things to you. And I don't think you have the right to say nasty things to me. I am doing what you asked me to do and to leave. So I don't just say, you know, 
F you, or, you know, I, I give her the rationalization, and I'm not going to argue with ration, rationalization, because it doesn't help. You know, like I said, it's, it's like me talking Chinese to her, not even her understanding, because to be honest with you, she doesn't hear half of what I say. And I'll be honest with you, I do advise her, you know what, I'm going to record this, because there's so many times her brain is going so fast, she'll jump to five different subjects 20 years ago to yesterday to three days ago to 15 years ago to yesterday to an hour ago and she forgets half of the things she says there's been times that she's brought up some pretty nasty things and you know after we're done arguing she's like i never said that and she'll really believe i never said that and i'll play back the recording to prove to her but she actually gets upset like why are you recording it and i said I tell you I am, and this is the reason, because you'll forget things you say. So to me, it's actually helping you. I mean, if I said something very hurtful and forgot, you know, how can I apologize for something I don't remember? Again, rationalization. Um, but anyways, uh, to my point of one-sided apologies, people that are narcissistic are never wrong. Well, excuse me, they think they're never wrong. They're in control, and when they fight with you, it's because you started something you did, um, even if it was absolutely nothing, it was one of her delusions started the fight, it doesn't matter. Her delusion of me um, going to the bathroom and uh, sneaking out the window and kissing a girl goodnight would be because, you know, 20 years ago when we broke up, I was dating a girl. So there's, they'll always pick something. And even though she has had um, infidelity relations during our marriage and a period when I was incarcerated, again, she <laughs> blames me for it. Well, you weren't giving me the love you need. It's not my fault you went to jail. Oh, okay, so that just gives you the right to cheat. But, um, or, or when, like, we argue, and she'll say, well, we weren't together. Literally, if we were just having an argument going for the weekend. But if I try to use those excuses, it doesn't work. It's like, I make the rules, I can break the rules, I can bend the rules, I can stop the rules, I can pause the rules, because I can. And I've always said the, two, uh, the number one and two rule is, number one, Michelle's always right. Rule number two, if Michelle is wrong, refer back to rule number one, Michelle's always right. And it sounds ridiculous, crazy, and childish, but unfortunately, that's reality. Um, and again, people would say, why the hell do you go through that shit? Because I fucking love her. That's the problem. I'm so in love with her. And it stems back to she was my first love. We had children together. I vowed to her, looking her in the eyes and under the, the eyes of God, I promised her that I would love her through better for worse sickness and health richer for poor. And we've been through all those freaking things. Every vow we've been through. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I, I've fucked up in the past. I've messed up. I don't do things right. But I still love her. Same thing with her. She does all these things. She loves me. It, it's a rough thing. But the thing is, I make that choice. I make that decision. You know, that's also like, you know, say you're married to somebody. And they get, um, you know, God forbid this, but get into an accident, they become a quadriplegic. Now all of a sudden, you have to take care of them. You have to feed them. You have to bathe them, change them, wipe their ass. You have to do everything for them. What if, what if you're in the worst case, they have to have a colostomy bag, you have to clean that. The most horrid things and, how would you say, degrading things that somebody would want done to them, you have to do. Now, would you say, you know what, I, I can't handle this. We're getting a divorce. When somebody vows better for sickness and health, that means the most horrid 
downright thing you could ever imagine. You know, I wish people would actually, before they say a vow, think of these things. You know, when you, when you say them, don't just say them. Think about them. You know, and that's why some people write their own vows. But do they do it just for attention or to make that person think they're better than what they really are? When you say those vows, you are promising God that you'll take care of his child and you're promising that person, no matter what happens to you, I'm going to stick by you. And that's the way I feel. I promised her. I looked her in the eyes. And God forbid if she ever committed suicide and said, you didn't follow your vows. You promised to protect me. You promised if we had no money and were homeless that you would live in a tent with me and still cuddle up to me in a tent. That if I was sick, whether it's the flu, the common cold, or God forbid the worst thing that could ever happen to me, whether it's a mental sickness, mental health, or physical sickness, that you'll stand by me. And I said yes. I said yes. As God is my witness, I said yes. I looked her in the eyes and promised her that. That's the way I look at it. That is the way I look at it. By me giving up on her is taking those vows and just fucking throwing them in the trash and giving God the finger. That's walking away from my promise. You know what? And when I married her, we were together for five years. And I knew... Even then, she was extremely jealous that they, there was not something right about her. You know, when I, I, I could have thought, geez, you know, is it going to be like this? Am I really going to be able to deal with this for the rest of my life? You know, I never really thought about, you know, if she became quadriplegic or, you know, I'm just as guilty as everybody. I don't think everybody goes into that depth. But you know what? As those situations arise, that's when most people, it definitely and I, say, you know what? I did vow. But... You know, so, um, not getting off track, it actually, I'm trying to get to a point. So, when she does make me leave, and she always does throw up my face when I go back, I'm not the one who asks you to come back. I'm not the one who, um, you know, is texting and begging. And you know what, it's true. Because, like I've said um, before on one of my other podcasts, if she did say, you know, can you come back? It, it's almost her way of apologizing, you know, because why would she ask me to come back if she told me to leave? Because, again, that would be reversing her choice. And in a sense, it's, it's apologizing. It's a level of apologizing. And she knows that. So I always have to be the one. But at the same time, I don't tell her, yeah, the reason you didn't text me is because it would be apologizing. She already knows that. So why do I bother telling her something she already knows? So there's a lot of things that I leave off the table. Um, it just does no good. You know, I've found that a lot of things just I waste my time. I just want to say, excuse me if there's some pauses. I'm heavy smoker and I'm usually smoking when I'm um, using anything on my phone, especially a podcast. So um, anyways, back to the one-sided um Apologies. I always have to send the text. And this is one thing you have to kind of... <laughs> you got to swallow your pride. Matter of fact, you might as well just swallow it and digest it and shit it out. Um, because you have to put your pride aside. Uh, you know, what would never work if I sent her a text and said, you know, I did this and this, but you did this, this, and this. Because all it does is it fuels up the fire and it lengthens the time that she doesn't allow me to come back. So... I always end up having to send her a text and say, listen, I'm not sure what exactly set you off. Or if I do know, I'll be like, you know, 
Um, I can understand you were hurt because obviously I see it in the way that you erupted. Um, you know, but I love you. I want to be with you. Um, and I have to add in the unselfishness. Um, you know, if I keep telling her, I, uh, you know, I, I want you to love me. I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. It, to her, it's, yeah, you want to be loved. You know, you want me to love you. So I kind of have to throw in, you know, I want to cuddle with you. I want to support you. I want to be there for you. So I have to express her needs. And I know what her needs are. Her biggest thing is she always says she just wants to be loved. So I have to convey her needs. And the best thing if you're dealing with somebody with BPD is to know their needs and how to fulfill their needs, no matter what it may be. Because if you don't, you don't fill those holes, you're going to have a rough ride. I always use the analogy of if you imagine a road with potholes, deep potholes. Now, if you drive down that, it's going to be a rough ride. Bang, bang, bang. Nobody's going to enjoy it. So her needs are those potholes. So as I fill them, you drive down them, you're going to have a smooth ride. Now, of course, with BPD, you're going to be either hitting a dead end or you're going to be hitting a dirt road or you're going to go off. The, yeah, it's, it's such an unpredictable drive. But, oh, my God. I, it sucks because I fucking love her so much. And, you know, I accept the responsibility. I really do. If I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't do it. Last year when we were apart for a year, um, I had a couple of lady friends that... Um, wanted to really date and bring our relationship to a huge higher level and I didn't I refused to because I only wanted her I wanted her back I thought I might you know have a relationship and maybe say you know this is what a relationship is this this is what a normal relationship is this is a shared relationship not a selfish relationship but I made that decision to say you know what I would rather have this. I want her. And knowing the responsibilities, I make that choice. So I can't ask anybody to feel bad for me. And when I express things that are done, I'm not looking for sympathy or for somebody to say, you know, you shouldn't, um, you know, do this. It's wrong. I know it is. I consciously know. And I make that choice. And I think sometimes when I complain, it's just to get it off my chest, just to bitch about it. And that's why I think doing this podcast is, is helpful and thera therapeutic for me because it allows me to get the shit off my chest and talk about it. And that's why I'm hoping somebody else out there will understand and understand that if they do do this, it's their choice. If not, you need to leave. You, you need to make that conscious choice. Like I said, if, if you were married to somebody and they became a quadriplegic, what would you do? Knowing all the responsibilities for the rest of your lives that you literally have to bathe, clean, dress, and deal with this for the rest of your life. You know, forget about the part of getting married and thinking about it. When reality hits, are you going to be able to do it? Stop, think, look ahead, and realize, can you really do it? Because if you can't, you're only making them worse. It's not fair. They already have enough troubles. They already have a disorder that they don't understand, and they understand that they're different. They understand that people think they're crazy. They get told all the time. It's hard enough for them not to understand and know themselves and have such a high rate of suicide and you might contribute to it. Or do you think you can deal with it? You're not going to heal them. You're not going to fix them. And that's what you have to understand. A lot of people that are with somebody with BPD think that they can change them, that they can heal them, they can cure them. 
It ain't gonna happen. You have to face the reality that every week it's gonna your relationship's gonna start over. She's gonna love you or he. They're gonna love you. They're gonna hate you. They're gonna send you away, and it's gonna start all over. I consider it like a merry-go-round. You're not going anywhere. You're not gonna get anywhere with the relationship. And God forbid if you don't have a stable income, because it's gonna disrupt your life. There'll be nights that you won't get any sleep. There'll be nights you're driving at four o'clock in the morning to go, you know, get a few hours of sleep before you go to work. It will disrupt your life. Your life will be hell. It'll it'll be a thorn patch, but you have to make that decision. I did. Who knows in the future? Maybe it'll come to the point where, you know, I'll end up leaving. But again, the whole point of this podcast, this episode, is one-sided apologies. You're not going to get an apology. According to them, they do not do anything wrong. And if you fight at something you did, so why should they apologize in any form? Whether it's the text and ask you to come back. Um, and if they do, it's going to be a selfish reason. They will say, you know, um, you know, I got to be out of this place in a week. You need to come up here and help me. That's the right thing to do. Now, there may or may not be a situation for them to call you back, but they'll use that as an excuse. They'll never be, you know, do you want to come back up here? I want to make you suffer and cuddle to you. Ain't going to fucking happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. You have to accept the fact that you need to apologize or at least empathize to be able to get back in that situation or get back in that you know relationship. Um, but like I said, it's a one-sided apology. Don't expect to get one because it's not going to happen. And if it does, it's extremely rare and there's probably motive behind it. But um, that's pretty much about it um, for this session. It's just a reality. And I think I'm going to do another podcast on the vows and, and standing by them. So I'm going to try to get that ready and present that to you guys. But again, thank you for supporting and listening. I really appreciate it. And if you know somebody who's going through this situation, you know, throw them a link and you know, share it with them. There's people that are in this situation a lot of them think they're the only ones in that situation. And it is really nice knowing you're not alone. There are the other people. And maybe share some tips and you know experiences. And maybe help each other. So anyways, have a great day. Have a great weekend. Um, today's Friday. It's raining and it's cold. It sucks, but inside, I'm doing pretty good. Have a great day. Thank you.